Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our program. <laughs> Why do we own this DVD? Your true host, Sean Takaki, and his wife, Diane. Diane and Sean. Yeah. Why do we own this DVD? Sean Takaki and his wife Diane. Yeah. Just want to say, why do we own this DVD? What? What? In the butt? No. What? What? You're not starting In off with butt? that. You know, I realized <clears throat> we oh kind of talked about it last night. Is that they just, it's such a cliche. But they just don't make movies like this anymore. They they don't. I feel like, and I feel like they know that, and they try to to recapture it. And they how? Can't. Like, give me an example. La La Land. Oh, which I never saw. I don't know anything about it. I don't but know that's what not it, a spectacle. That's very grounded. Was and it like, supposed to be a no. spectacle? Oh, okay. No. <laughs> No, because this is just absolute over-the-top eye candy. Like, just sense overload. I mean, the closest I can get is the same filmmaker and Elvis. Oh, really? Like, I mean, I know, cause I didn't see it. I saw parts of it. And I mean, it didn't seem spectacular. There were certain parts where, oh, okay. I mean, I for sure, the, the beginning, I was mm-hmm. like, holy shit, this is Baz Luhrmann. I feel like, you know, I feel like... Tim Burton tries to do it in in a more a less visually like like Baz Luhrmann is very he's a cacophony of visuals yeah whereas Tim Burton tries to do that has tries to emote or mm-hmm. evoke the same sense of spectacle with less like visual clutter like big big fish sure what yeah. that is like thematically was like a spectacle because it's so fantastical and everything you know like it's just like the colors aren't there the the vibrancy of like sight and sound aren't there it's more subdued in a you know for yeah it's subdued for for tim burton (laughs) and really even if i say oh they don't make spectacles like this anymore they just don't make stories like this anymore the storytelling the editing, like that, you just don't see stories told like this. You don't see performances like this anymore. And uh, maybe I'm sure you do. But to me, watching it last night, and, you know, we kind of talked about it how we've seen this movie a kajillion times. We know mm-hmm. every single sound of this movie, yet it still manages to wow me and make me think, holy shit, they just, this. You don't see this. You just don't see it. I mean, I, yeah. Thank you. We, I don't know how, I I can't even guess how many times we've seen it total. You know what I mean? Total, I have no idea. Um, But. I couldn't even guess. It's still, it's so high. In, like, I'm excited for the first two thirds of the movie. Like acts one and two are very like high energy, yeah. Um, 
the drama comes in Act Three. Sure. But so for those first two acts, I'm I was often on the edge of the couch. You were leaning for. I watched you literally leaning for. I'm like, oh, just in time for Satine to make her entrance. Waiting for my favorite scenes. Yeah. Waiting, you know, and I still get energized by it. And I still cry over it because of, you know, mm-hmm. John Leguizamo. My this might be. I don't know his whole filmography. You know. Yes. I've I never mean, like I've never Mar- seen Super Mario Brothers. Come on. Like I've never seen Spawn. No, I haven't seen. A, I can only compare him to his role in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet. Baz right. Luhrmann's William Shakespeare's, and he's great in that. But I mean, I've been a fan of John Leguizamo, the performer, the comedian, the yeah, you're a big fan for for a long time. Yeah, um, he's always good fun, and that's why I think you should watch Encanto. <laughs> and so, like, he's Bruno in this. He's such a silly tragic emotional figure that i mean you know his one his one like hard dramatic scene is it brings me to tears every yes. single time yes you have cried in the same scene for 21 years like and if i ever if i ever crossed paths with john leguizamo i will bring up this movie that scene sure you know no matter i mean yeah. yeah. So let's 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 talk about it. So this is a podcast called Why We Own This. No. Why We Own. No. <laughs> Why We Own. Why do we own this DVD? I am Diane. That is Sean. We are both sick at the moment. I'm less sick. I'm just. No, I, I just feel I cruddy. A, I have a slight tickle in my throat. I have like a like kind of like that cough where you just kind of feel it in your chest, like mm. the urge to cough. Mm. Throat feels okay. Nose is kind of runny, stuffy, whatever. Everyone's, I think everyone at my work is like sick right now. Anyway, we are here to talk about our DVD collection. And tonight we're talking about one that means a lot to us. I don't know. I mean, if I like. Watching it last night, I realized this movie is higher on my all-time favorites list and I remembered it. Because we kind of touched about it last week when you're when I was like, this is my second favorite movie, you know, after you know, Fellowship of the Ring. It's always stood there. One and two have always been the same since 2001. Um, and you were like, well, I don't know. You were kind of like, you needed to see it again to see kind of where it landed. I don't remember where I had I had placed this movie. No, because you just didn't remember. Um, it's, I mean, it's easily... Top five all-time favorites. Um, What's your number one? I don't know. Oh, okay. Fucking Biodome? I don't know. Okay. Well, no. Um, but makes it, sense. This one's, <coughs> this one's without a doubt top five. Um, quite possibly top three. Mm. So. Yeah. So this movie opened May 18th, 2001. Limited release. Opened national June 1st. I'm guessing like small art house theaters. I think New York and LA. Because mm. um, uh, it I made would... it, it was it was at Con, and then it opened in New York and LA mm-hmm. on May 18th, and then two weeks later opened National. Yeah, I guess two cities would be a limited release, even and the biggest cities in the world. <laughs> from what I remember, my friend Elizabeth came to visit mm-hmm. Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. 
because I was living out there. I forgot we weren't in LA right now. No, wow, whoa, weird. It's been a while. Um, and we went and saw Moulin Rouge. Okay. So the first time I saw it was not with you, right? And I had no idea what to expect. Um, I had seen like screen caps in my Entertainment Weeklies. I was like, huh, this looks like interesting. At the time, I was like, well, Nicole Kidman, I could take her, leave her. Wow. Yeah. I was, you know, I mean, I knew her as Tom Cruise's wife. I know that's rude. And, you know, farting away, <laughs> of course. Wow. Um, and, but I was like, well, Ewan Gregor, he's, you know, he's Obi-Wan. He's cute. He was cute in train spotting. Whatever. So my expectations were just kind of unknown. Didn't he have a small guest spot on ER? Yes, he did. As like another drug addict. Mm-hmm. With his... And he gets shot. With his shallow grave hair. Kind of long-ish yeah. mullet. Like coming off of train spotting, right? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy to think of that? I don't know. We'll talk about Ewan McGregor. Um, but of course, I loved Romeo plus Juliet. So, And I loved Strictly Ballroom. So I'm like, well, it's Baz Luhrmann. This is going to be something i had no idea what to expect and what the fuck okay i was like sean has to see this and i took you Mm -hmm. i want to say tustin that's i feel like i remember going up an outside escalator is that tustin marketplace or irvine spectrum i get it mixed up they're like right across the street from each other i don't remember um i took you to see this and like I, we were, I mean, the, all the times that we saw this, we weren't dating. No. Just frenzies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Besties. But I was. We were, we were movie companions. <laughs> yeah. But like you were like, I just transfixed. I could tell. Mm-hmm. And I think you had an anxiety attack. During the can-can. The can-can. <laughs> I know it just could have been like, I don't think you had it because of the can-can. No, I was enthralled i think i it was sensory overload it definitely is the first time you see this and you don't know what to expect and you're in a theater it i mean it's sensory overload watching it on a tv for the 50th time uh i i do remember how i felt the first time i saw it it was like how i would imagine walking into willy wonka's Chocolate Factory must have felt like. Or or Dorothy going to Oz yes. from her sepia world. Like it Or Alice. <laughs> yeah. And we, we could make those comparisons it, it's all the, day. It's the closest thing I can imagine to experiencing something genuinely magical. Yeah. Not 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 an illusion, but to witness something truly really real magic. Yeah. Like if you said, okay, here's a secret. Dragons are real. I'm going to show you one. Mm. And you showed me a real dragon. This is how I would feel. <laughs> you wouldn't be scared though? <laughs> no, I'd be like, can I fucking pet it? And can we, <laughs> can, can I we, ride it? Can we take it home? Can we no. go for a So yeah, ride? I mean, this was one of those things where I had never seen or heard anything like that intro to Moulin Rouge to the Moulin Rouge like the, all of it yeah. the spectacle because 
it's all very like acid trippy kind of well lots of trails lots of you know blurred vision yeah well lots of weird sort absent. of uh-huh. like staccato imagery uh-huh with the with the sound with the lights with the music with the motion it was like overwhelming and i was like forever changed mm. I'm like this why don't we make all movies like this right and then of course the story goes we saw this again like eight or nine times we saw it as many times as we could in the theater before it it finally left like the cheapy theater it, we saw it in the same theater so many times where the print was actually falling apart there yeah. was a, there and was a predictable is, audio glitch because it was just so raggedy that you know and not even lying, this movie took us throughout the whole summer mm-hmm. in the in the discount theater mm-hmm. in Northridge, California. Mm-hmm. Shout mm-hmm. out to the Valerian. And I want to say it almost led up to Fellowship of the Ring when that kind of took over my life. Yeah, there was a point where this eventually just went away and we were kind of like, well, now what? We have, you know, new things to look forward to, but we have nothing to pacify our our senses yeah so this really was like our summer movie and like we were taking people to see it who had it like we took my roommate nicole we took rochelle i worked with at the coffee bean who complained about nicole kidman's lipstick we took or you took we i don't remember going we remember we went to california pita grill did we and then we went to see moulin rouge I was going to say, did we go to like a Panda Express? But okay. No. It was a California Pita Girl. It was Pita Girl. And she's like, oh, her lipstick is driving me nuts. Because she was like a makeup artist. I, you know what? I do remember. <laughs> yeah, I do remember going places with her. But I don't remember going to this movie yeah. with her. Um, and then it, we kind of realized that we were better just seeing it with just two of us. Mm. We just, yeah. Um. So this movie, of course, directed by Baz Luhrmann. This is the third movie in the Red Curtain trilogy. We have covered the other two, Strictly Ballroom from 1992 and William Shakespeare's Romeo plus Juliet from 1996. You, you know can go back to our back catalog and listen to those. They're fun episodes. You know what's funny? I felt like I was seeing people from Romeo plus Juliet in this movie. Well, there's the chick from Strictly Ballroom. Like, I felt like... She plays a prostitute. Like, uh, just... um, There was a lot of clowns in this movie. Mm. Or, you know, clown-looking people. Okay. That would dance around the Moulin Rouge. Sure. For... I was getting... Like, this weird sense of deja vu. With a lot of these people and faces... You feel like that's just Baz's style? Like he I, wants you to I feel so. like, I mean, they're all, and in think, his world, they're all connected. And I think coupled with, you know, John Leguizamo. Yeah. Like in, just sort of like, you know, subliminally, like just reminding me of Romeo plus Juliet. Sure. And I think the, I think Christian is very old, Romeo. He's very old. <laughs> He's very Romeo-like. Well, and I, I f- he's a poet. Like he- even though he wasn't in it, I felt like Dash Mihawk, like his spirit was somewhere oh, wow. in Moulin Rouge. Dash's spirit is always everywhere. Whatever happened to him? Well, 
What's he doing? Day after tomorrow. I don't know. Oh, that's right. Shit, I forgot. <laughs> that oh was, my God, I'm so sorry, Dash. I mean, that was 20 years ago. I know. Yeah. Okay, so what's he doing since then? I don't know. I don't know. I think we talked about him during our video. I vague, have vague memories of that. <clears throat> so this movie starts off in, uh, well, it starts off in 1900 mm. in Paris. And we meet Christian, a young writer who is very depressed about the recent death of the woman he loved. He begins writing their story on his typewriter. Christian, of course, played by Ewan McGregor, um, who really at this point had been not even, I don't want to say household name, but Trainspotting was just five years before this. And I mean, Trainspotting was still just such a small, like not everybody saw it. You know, it was just. I mean, it was huge in like the UK. Here, it you know. Yeah, but I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't a, a, a name name. I mean, Star Wars, I guess. Phantom Menace was two years before this. I feel like Trainspotting is a movie that everyone knows, but not everyone saw. Sure. Like yeah. it's it's just like a, a thing that people know of. Yeah. You know. Well, and everyone knows the poster. Yeah. I had that poster in my locker my senior year. Oh, really? I hadn't I didn't see the movie till much later, oh. but I was like, I love this poster. Who's this guy in the middle with his arms crossed and the shaved head? I saw that movie like randomly having no idea what it was about. And I was just, so like just again just blown away blown away by the weirdness of it you're like this isn't about trains <laughs> at all so if anyone knew Ewan McGregor it was because he played Obi-Wan Kenobi mm-hmm. in the Phantom mm-hmm. in Phantom Menace two years before this that's that's really it mm-hmm. um and everyone knew Nicole Kidman everyone knew Nicole Kidman um again more so for her high-profile marriage to Tom Cruise. Sure. For, at this point, it was like 10 years. Um, Of course, right after, or right before this movie, they got divorced. Right around the same time. Was this right after Eyes Wide Shut? That was 99. Okay. So. So soon after. But the marriage started, div- oh, yeah. you know, disintegrating then and. It was right around the time this movie came out they got divorced. So there was that whole thing people were talking about. And yeah, Nicole Kidman, much more famous than Ewan McGregor at this point. And the the most famous person in this movie. So Christian, yes, the woman I love is dead. And we see a foreshadowing of the woman he loves. Yeah, for us it's a it's a preview. For him it's a it's a memory. Yeah. So then he says this all kind of started 1 year ago. Now it's 1899. He arrives in Montmartre. Is that how you say it? Mhm. Well, uh, he, he arrives in Paris. In Paris. He's heading to Montmartre. Yeah, he wants to join the Bohemian movement. He meets uh Henri de la Toulouse, Lautrec. Played by John Leguizamo and his troop of troop of performers who are writing a play called Spectacular, Spectacular. Um, and he helps them kind of figure out what the play is going to be about. I mean, he just by chance he encounters them because 
the Argentin the narcoleptic the Argentinian falls, falls through his ceiling. Falls through his roof. Who is played by a Polish actor. Yeah, just Jacek Komen. Yeah. <laughs> um and let me tell you to up to this point, I mean it's been what? Just a few minutes into the movie. Right? Maybe like let's say like we five get, minutes into yeah, the movie. Yeah, we get a little bit of like of the Christ- Christian's voiceover and his narration. We get a, a few glimpses of his father, who's you know, just like ah, you're wasting keeps, your life. Yeah, you know, because because well, Christian is obsessed with the concept of love, and his father's like that. That's dumb. That's you know ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, see, maybe like five minutes into this movie, and I remember when the first time I saw it, I was like, okay, well, I don't, not sure yet, but the second Ewan McGregor opens his mouth and starts singing the sound of music. I was fucking sold. And you know what happened again last night? I I remember just going, "Oh my god, this movie is for me. This movie is for me." What weirdly did it for me? Like the first what when I first saw this movie, it was seeing Toulouse Lautrec via John Leguizamo. Yeah, because I love Toulouse Lautrec, like his sure. art. Yeah, the weirdness of just that personality, and then of course I love John Leguizamo. So you give me two things that I love, you know, you got peanut butter and my chocolate. Yeah, you know, and of course the true other troop members, um, Audrey, who is like the playwright, right, played by David Wenham. Is oh. Audrey supposed to be a woman? I don't know. They're all very androgynous, except for the Argentinian. Yes. Um. Well, Satier, is that how you say his name? Satie? Yeah, the Satie. Tom, Tom Baker scarf guy. Matthew Wittet. 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 Um. Hi. Hi, Cuss. Go jump up there. Well, don't push him by the belly. Now he's going <laughs> You know what? Can we pause real fast? I got to get some tea. My throat is dry. Two very boring minutes later. Okay, where were we? So, <clears throat> Christian, yeah, he helps the, the troop kind of figure out their play. They celebrate by having some absinthe. They meet the Green Fairy, played by Kali Minogue. And they go to the Moulin Rouge, where they hope Christian's talents will impress Satine. Kylie Minogue. Um, her character of the Green Fairy, she might have been life-size. <laughs> Maybe. She's it, little. Such a... I mean, it's practically a cameo. I, I guess it would be It is. A I mean, she's very famous outside of America. I mean, but I mean... Especially in Australia. God, such a... A fun... Unforgettable... Like, what? 10 <laughs> seconds? Uh, yeah. 20 seconds. Of, God, yeah. so fun. Um. So they're planning on... So their plan is... They'll pretend that Christian is a duke. No. No? Uh, no, that's not right. Toulouse, in his, in his his vision of what's going to happen is he's going to sell the idea of the play to Satine by showing her the talents of Christian, the writer. That's it. Okay. He, yes. He's yep, going to go right. to Satine with, we have a fully fledged, fleshed out play. Here's the And deal. she'll tell... Harold Zidler. That she wants to do with this show. And that's it. That's yeah. all that they're yeah, going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harold Zidler, played by um, 
Jim Broadbent. Jim Broadbent. I blanked out on his name. Sorry. The wonderful Jim Broadbent, who really went all the way in this movie. To see him in this, um, and then to see him in in the bedroom. Oh God. Uh, Same here. Makes me realize what a disappointing movie in the bedroom is. <laughs> Sorry, fans. That mo- I mean, that movie is so dark and dramatic. Yeah, I don't remember any of it. And it is so fucking boring to have someone who can have this much energy to dial it down for that kind of movie. Great, great actor. Amazing. Jim <coughs> Jim Broadbent is better than anyone deserves to be. Wow. Because I, yeah. and you look at him as 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 uh, Professor. What's his name? Mm. What's his name? Harry Potter. Yeah, I know. I blanked out on that too. Fuck is his name? Do you want me to let? Do you want to let me? Professor. I never remember his name, and I don't um, know why. Oh my god! You keep talking. <clears throat> no, don't look. No. No, I know. I mean, he. Even just looking at him, he's. Kind of atrocious looking. He looks like Slughorn. A, yeah, Slughorn. Horus. God. I mean, he looks like a a a insane drag queen almost. Oh well, he wears all that makeup in this movie. The the mustache, the, the bright orange curly Q mustache, yeah. the like red cheeks, white, white face, red cheeks. Yeah, it's I mean, amazing. It's just and I mean he. He sings and dances. I mean, come on. Yeah. He sings Nirvana. (laughs) Oh, my God. Damn it. Yeah. So he sings. Wait, what did you said? He sings Nirvana. Yeah. And he sings Madonna. Yes. And Queen. (laughs) And Queen. Um, So, yeah, that's their plan. However, Ziedler has his own plan. Um. He's he plans to have the wealthy, powerful, and unscrupulous Duke of Monroth, played by Richard Roxburgh. Richard Roxburgh, I think so. Uh, who we talked about in our Van Helsing episode <laughs> as Dracula. Um, he's gonna set him up with Satine in exchange for potential financing to convert the club into a theater. So they all, they both have their separate plans. Yeah, I mean, Zeeler is... Both of them are using Satine. Zeeler is going to pimp Satine out to get the Duke to just fund the Moulin Rouge for other projects and things. Yeah. And Toulouse is trying to... Well, Toulouse is trying to pimp out Christian... The writer. ...to Satine, who will then, in her own way, I guess... Convince Zeeler to let her put on this show. I don't. Yeah, because I mean, spectacular, spectacular. The idea was to not. It didn't involve the Duke at all. No, it was just talk. Have Satine convince Zeeler she wants to do the show. Yeah, because to lose his own selfish purposes is to become a famous artist, show person. Yeah. 
he, I mean, this is his world. I mean, he wants to yeah. make a name for himself. So, yeah, they arrive at the club. And let's quickly talk about Nicole Kidman's entrance. Because um, you definitely moved to the edge of the couch. I, I moved to the edge of the couch the second twice that- during the Moulin Rouge. Twice when we're in the Moulin Rouge. Once to see the Nicole Kidman's entrance, of course. That doesn't come till after the can can though. Can can's first. But I was yeah, I was getting there. Okay, sorry. But most importantly, the can can. The fucking can can. I don't even know how to describe it. You really can't. It's just controlled chaos. I I mean, I'm not a I'm not a a dancer. No. Like I wouldn't, like I'm not any kind of performer, especially in front of like people. Yeah. Like I would never be like I'm never one of those who's who's ever wanted to be like an extra on a set. Yeah. It seems like a terrible, terrible gig. Yeah. I would have murdered to be an extra in the Moulin Rouge, and I would have learned choreography. <laughs> it seemed like really difficult. Work. It it did seem like it was would have been. It seemed like. Those roles were reserved for trained dancers. Yes, I think they were. Everyone, you couldn't be on that set if you couldn't dance. No. And I think the editing of And this, it showed. The editing made it look it 10 times more difficult. Amazing. But yes, but yeah. <laughs> the can-can. And Satine's entrance. It's her, the sparkling diamond. And like, it gets silent. And you move to the edge of the couch, and we're just completely transfixed by I, I Nicole was, Kidman. So I know we we said it at least once while we we're watching it that this is Nicole Kidman's best look in any movie. Yes, ever. She's stunning. Um, she's absolutely stunning, and and of course, again, all women are beautiful. Not all women are attractive. Nicole Kidman happens to be both. Okay, she's she's beautiful. nowhere she's nowhere near regular. Pretty. No, not even a little bit. Not in this movie. You, I mean, if you made her sickly looking, she would then be she's regular sickly, pretty. She's sickly looking. Even then, she looks amazing. Yeah. But no, in this movie, no, she's absolutely just stunning. And I was trying to figure out what's her best look in this movie. That it's a close. It's for me. It's close between this scene with her top hat yep. and the yep. sparkly sequin dress sure. she's wearing, and then of course the her red, red dress. Yes, the red dress. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't pick. No, but yeah, this her entrance in this one where she's on that giant swing. Yeah. Oh my god! And I swear, like in the theater, you could hear a pin drop. It's I, silent until I, she opens her mouth. Oh, you mean in in the Moulin Rouge theater? No, like oh, in the in, movie theater. In like, the movie theater. Um, it, I I don't have memories of that because you know what? At that point, that theater didn't fucking exist. It was me <laughs> and Nicole Kidman, sure, and she was singing to me with those goddamn eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She looks great. She does. Um. So yeah, wonderful sparkling diamond, diamonds are a girl's best friend uh, number, which it's great. I mean, whatever. And then we have the the mixed messages, the 
mistaken identities. When Ziedler's telling Satine, you're going to charm the Duke. And she's like, who's the Duke? And she looks, he's like, it's the one waving the handkerchief. It's the one that Toulouse is waving Hanky at because Toulouse has bumped a train. It's spilled all over the Duke and he's trying to, you know, vaguely yep. like clean him up a little bit or whatever. And so, of course, you know, Ziedler sees it. And by the time Satine looks around, Toulouse has grabbed Christian's hanky and is shaking, can I borrow this? Yes. And so she sees that. So she it's, thinks It's the Christian, classic screw up. Yep. She yeah. thinks Christian is the Duke. <coughs> and so um, later that night, they're in the elephant. Yeah, because Zeller has arranged for the Duke to have a private meeting. Yeah. Super air quotes. Yeah. With Satine. And Toulouse has and Toulouse like thinks done the same thing. he's made being able to make arrangements for Satine to meet Christian. Yeah, not necessarily in the elephant, but just meet him after the show. Happens to be in the elephant, which again is one of the greatest set pieces ever. It's a great set set oh, piece. God. Yeah. So she tries thinking he's the Duke, attempts to seduce him. Um. You know, first she dances dances with him at the club, and then they go back to yeah the elephant to discuss things privately, and we get a funny like almost slapsticky, um, because she's trying very hard to seduce him, and he's like, okay, well, I'm gonna read you my poetry, and she's it, like, oh, okay, wink, wink, I get it. It's very vaudeville screwbally. Yep. Mm-hmm. For a minute or two. Yeah. Um. And Nicole's just going and she all thinks, out. I think there's a, a large part of the scene where uh, Satine thinks this is just, you know, his weird kinky little role play. Yeah. So she's going along with it. Pretending to be like all turned on. And, and then, you know, he's all, he's getting all flustered and everything and he's stammering and stuttering. Because <laughs> he's like, why is I, she so... Well, I do like when... Because she thinks, you know, he wants to get right to the sex, you know, because he's like, if we can just get it over and done with. And she's like, well, fine. And so she jumps on the bed. And she's like, well, come here. And he's like, no, no, I, you know, prefer to stand. She's like, okay. And he's like, no, you can stay there. It's quite long. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah. Fucking... Everything he says, she's taking it's, a different way. It's and very, the audience, it's, us, we're just like. <laughs> it's very, it's very modern what I do. And I want you to be comfortable. She's like, oh. So then, you know, he's reading poetry and she realizes, oh, he's reading poetry. It's a little bit funny. So then she thinks, oh, maybe, you know, this is what he's into. So she, you know, overacts to his poetry reading. And then, you know, he realizes that it's not going according to his plan. So then he starts to sing. He hasn't sing yet because he speaks. It's a little bit funny. She does this. The poetry Feeling does inside. Yeah, the the actual poetry then strikes a chord with her. That's right. Yeah. And and that's that stops her in her tracks and she's actually listening to his words now. Um No, he says the words and then she's like, oh, okay. This is what I want, naughty words. Oh yeah, yeah. He yeah. and he doesn't stop. She doesn't stop until she hears him. And say, then that's yeah, that's the he, order of, I guess, how it yeah, goes. 
he real yeah he feel I think he feels like he can't get her to focus. Yeah, so he opens his fucking mouth. So he sings and blows me away. This is so. When I said that, I was sold on the movie when he sang like two lines from the Sound of Music. It was this moment when I just completely died inside. And you can tell everybody that this is your song. I remember the feeling going, oh my God. He sings, of course, um, Elton John's Your Song. And who knew that Ewan McGregor had pipes like that? I don't think even Ewan McGregor knew. No, I don't think so. Right. He hits some high notes throughout this whole movie. I'm like, I don't think a lot of guys could hit these notes. And he's not, as far as I know, classically trained. But he sounds so damn good. And Nicole, too. I mean, they both... I don't think anyone realized I, that either of them could sing like this. It's like I would have guessed that Ewan could sing before I would have guessed Nicole Kidman could sing. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I always assume, I think, I have the hiccups. I always assume that women could pick up singing easier than men. Maybe, I mean, that's just a weird thing. I only say you and McGregor doesn't surprise me as a singer because he doesn't strike me as like a as a, as like a, as a one note actor kind of person. You know like, what I mean? Like if you would have told me, "Oh yeah, you and McGregor, he was in a band," I'd believe it. Like I like I see someone like Matt Damon, great actor. But I feel like that's all he can do. Not that that's. Did you see nothing. Talented Mr. Ripley? <sighs> I did see Talented Mr. Ripley. He does sing in that movie. He sings a good one. A little bit. too. Mm, yeah. I mean. He trained for Talented Mr. Ripley <coughs> to make himself sound like Chet Baker. But anyway. But. But yes, I know what you mean. Yeah. But Matt Damon, you he see. He wouldn't him, be able to do this role. You know, he's like that guy who can. As far as like his acting range, I he's very Matt Damon at all. I wouldn't movies. peg him to be super like broad spectrum of you With, know. I think Telton Mr. Ripley is definitely an exception, but continue. Yeah, you get. I feel like he's in. He has sort of like the the humor, comedy, action set, and that's where he he plays. Yeah. You give him like, you know, Town to Mr. Ripley, that's like an, an outlier. And maybe he'll do something, you know, like like a some weird, you know, sci-fi horror thing. That might be something that exists. You know, okay. but but his his sure. main body of work is gonna be in that little range. Someone like Ewan McGregor, I feel like he's he's spread out so much more. He may not be like concentrated so much in any one area which i mean that and that might be a whole thing of jack of all trades master of none kind of thing uh-huh you know he might not have like 
10,000 hours, you know, doing action. But he can, he can, he can dabble in it and he can dabble in this, he can dabble in that. I feel like Ewan McGregor is one of those guys that he, he's not, he may not be uh, a consummate professional in any one, like, I guess, genre, but he's, he's, He's more than adequately talented, you know, in in like across the board. Yeah. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like he's not like yeah. super like good at comedy or he's not super good at action, but he's pretty good at like most at most everything. It's Whereas like, Matt Damon is like yeah. super good at action, super good at comedy. Not so, maybe not even remotely good at like horror or, you know. Oh, I'm gonna say Matt Damon in a horror movie. I do too. And it's fine because, yeah, I think that. Like, Matt Damon would never be in a British movie. You know what I mean? Like, a strictly, like, like, period. Well, no, because he can't do accents. Which, there you go. Yeah. And I think Tom Cruise could have had the wide range career that you're talking about. He was there, but then because. He was so mad that he didn't get nominated or didn't get... After Magnolia, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to do fucking action movies the rest of my life. You don't get Jerry Maguire anymore. You don't get Magnolia. You don't get the drama. You don't get the comedy anymore. You get fucking action movies. Sorry, guys. And so now we're stuck with the same Tom Cruise. We've had the same Tom Cruise for the past 15 years. So yeah, now now it's what crazy thing is he going to do? Yeah, that's not the Tom Cruise that we all admired back in the... 80s and 90s, like where the range was just like from Top Gun to Rain Man and Cocktail. I mean, that's all within two years. Jesus Christ. And I think, yeah, Ewan McGregor, he, but Ewan will do a horror movie because he's done horror movies. He'll do disaster movies. Hello. Can't wait till we get to the impossible. He'll do fucking Star Wars. Like, I don't think Matt Damon would ever do Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like he he might do it, but true, yeah, you wouldn't buy it. He would never do Star Wars. <laughs> oh my imagine? god! No, 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 no. Yeah. No. Okay. But yes, um, Christian woos Satine with his song, literally, her song, your song, and she's um. Like, holy shit, I'm in love. I'm in love with the beautiful, handsome, talented Duke. He's like, I'm not a Duke. And she's like, what? And he's like, I'm a writer. And of course, we get the record scratch and everyone laughs. A writer? And then we find out that this is something that Toulouse-Lautrec constantly does because she's like, oh, no, not another one of Toulouse's. Oh, so talented, tragically. Charmingly. Sure. Yeah. Impoverished proteges or whatever it is. Yeah. So he's done this before. Yeah. We we can assume that it, this would have been Audrey. Had, yeah. Had they not been repulsed by the of working with a nobody Christian, this nobody Christian guy. Yeah. So again, I don't know if Audrey's a male man or woman. Audrey left. He stormed off. They. Uh huh. With the. Goodbye. Goodbye. 
But God, David Wenham. So that was <laughs> talk about range. So yeah, th- Audrey would have been in the yeah. elephant. Yeah. <coughs> so, but yeah, and I, but yeah, th- I yeah. mean, so yeah. so yeah, Christian reveals he's a writer and she's appalled. Um, and she's like, and you then, gotta get out of here because the Duke is coming. He's like, then, the Duke? Who? You, what are you talking about? Yeah, of and course. of course, she opens the door the and Duke! there's the Duke. The Duke interrupts them, and then Satine tells them that they were just, you know, well, they and the Bohemians well, were re- rehearsing a play. You're jumping forward. Well, I'm... Because... I know. Get mad at me. Okay. He's hiding now. Yeah, Christian's hiding. Again, more like vaudevillian Very, yeah, slapstick. very slapsticky. Uh-huh. Yep. We it's were rehearsing. Whole... Then, of course, he's discovered. Yeah. And... She's like, well, we were rehearsing the play. Spectacular, spectacular. And he's like, well, where you're rehearsing? Where's Ziedler? And of course he shows up. Well, but that's by chance. Well, yeah, he Toulouse and all of them have been eavesdropping and they're spying of course, yeah. on the elephant. So they just come pouring in, which is great. So he's like, Well, what's the story? And they're like, Well, what? He's like, Well, if I'm gonna invest, I need to know the story. And so um they make up improvise a story for the Duke about a beautiful Indian courtesan who falls in love with a poor sitar, penniless sitar player this she whole, mistook for an evil Maharaja. I don't know how they did this. This whole scene. Holy shit. It's so weird. And if you think, we have been going nonstop since the beginning of the movie. We are still going nonstop. Like this. you thought you had like a, a, a nice little sexy break? Mm, no, not really. Um, you, you get like a half a second to catch your breath. Yeah. You know, you get to look at Nicole Kidman in lingerie for a, a sure. minute. When she's wrapped up in that red yes. and like white, like that. Yeah. It's like a bell. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast bell blanket. <laughs> yeah, she does. Cloak towel yeah. thing. Fuck, that looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like when it falls on her shoulder. Anyways. Anyway. But yeah. Sean's just drooling over yeah. here. But the whole like speed ramping like uh-huh. weird frenetic singing and dancing with all of them it's so good oh my god spectacular spectacular no was vernacular uh, yeah i mean and even zeeler who has no idea what's going on all he knows is that satine has found a way to get the duke the duke to fork yeah. out some cash so he's like invest you know, so he's playing along. Yeah. And the Duke... And, and the, he's a great improviser and performer on, on his own. And so we get the idea that he, that's this is what he did when he was younger. Now mm-hmm. he's the ringleader of this crazy circus at the Moulin Rouge. Uh-huh. But he's still a performer at heart. So he falls right into his old performing habit, you know? Uh-huh. I mean, he can sing and dance with these younger kids. Yeah. And they sell the idea of a non-existent show to the Duke. Yep. And when do we... Because he's like, I'll, I'll invest, but the well, Moulin Rouge and Satine is, is mine. Is the that- Duke is like, fine, you know, I'll... Well, Zeal and I will talk, you know, later. Mm-hmm. We'll work out, you know, the negotiations. Yeah. And it's not long after this scene, but we still, in between that, we get, 
you know, Satine. One day I'll fly away. You know, having these weird mixed feelings now for this broke ass writer from England. Yeah. And also she wants to get out of there. She she has dreams of being, you know, like the great Sarah well, and, Bernhardt. And the whole idea of Zila bringing in the Duke in the first place was to make Satine a star. Yeah. Which is what she wants. Yeah. She wants to be a legitimate actress rather than just, you know, a, a can-can dancer, dancer in a bordello. Yeah. I mean, she's she is a... She she's, she's a, the star of the Moulin Rouge, but that doesn't. She's a a she's still you know. Yeah, uh, spit it out, dude. She's a whore. Oh, and a performer. She's a courtesan. She she sells lies to men for money. She, she sells makes the men idea believe of love. what they want yeah. to believe. But yeah, I mean, and she doesn't want that. She wants to be yeah. a legit. She wants to go legit. She yeah. wants to be a legitimate performer. Yes. So Satine is like, yeah, kind of torn and one day I'll fly away. Uh, great number. Nicole sounds great. And then and she's at the top of the elephant. Hard to believe these are stages. These are sets. Like, I mean, well, they're sets, obviously, but these are just sound stages. Amazing. And Christian climbs up the elephant's ass tail thing <laughs> and <clears throat> kind of startles her. But then, you know, he kind of convinces her via elephant love medley that he's worth it and got this fucking scene too yeah you might have had a breather with one day i'll fly away it's just her singing not a lot of action going on her standing looking out the window i love the edit between the like back and forth between him and her in the windows it's great you know and then right away again we're I, like i was getting <laughs> I was getting vibes of American Tale. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can and, you? And we see that the sequence, you know, throughout movies, you know, for since forever. Yeah. Two people, you know, just singing across time and space, you know, sure. to each other, basically. I mean, but. Christian's not singing, but it's the the, you know, it's the I want song that every Disney movie has. Yeah. Satine gets her own I want song. Yeah. Can you name? Mm. All the songs in the no. Elephant Love Medley. No, I can't. No. Try to name a few. And let's actually, you think about it. I'm going to take a quick break at some more water. I got to refill my tea anyways. 12 seconds later. What are all the songs in, on the <clears throat> Well, it starts with, he's just speaking. Mm-hmm. Love is like oxygen. Mm-hmm. Love is a many splendor mm-hmm. thing. Love lifts us up where we belong. All you need is love. Mm-hmm. Please don't start that again. And then we hear, oh, you need his love. Oh, my yeah. God, my voice is. Wow. <sighs> yeah. I like how we took a quick break and like we just sat and like coughed for like five minutes. So I did. I ate a Jojo. <clears throat> Three of them, actually. And then there's I Was Made for Loving You mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by Kiss. One More Night by Phil Collins. In the Name of Love by You Too. Don't Leave Me This Way, Thelma Houston. Silly Love Songs by Wings. Up Where We Belong by Joe Cocker and Jennifer Warnes. Um, Heroes, David Bowie. I Will Always Love You, Dolly Parton slash Whitney Houston. And they end again with your song. It's a great medley. Like, 
And I, at that point, I mean, hearing, you know, the Elton John song, and the, you know, that's that's one thing. But to hear all these songs that were already famous, mm-hmm. I honestly don't think I had seen a movie do that before. Well, I think we had mentioned, too, that I had never understood 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 Gersburns. oh wow that was i had never name. understood most of these songs as well as i had until this movie sure yeah and now it's so commonplace now mm-hmm. i mean especially you know glee and i mean so many things have become jukebox 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 musicals so many of them use songs that are already well i mean done, and, you know but and at I, this time, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're singing these songs I know from the radio. <laughs> and this is one of those movies where it was still relatively new to get, like, anachronistic music in a musical. Yeah. Like, we saw it at Night's Tale. That's a lot different. But, but I mean. But they're performing songs. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. So, I mean, yeah, you got... It was, I mean, it's not... Like, yeah, it, it had been done, but this, to the extent that... But, I mean, this is... And, this is, and they're so relevant to... This is a true jukebox musical. I can't say it. Jukebox <laughs> musical. Apart from one song that was an original that did not get nominated for an Oscar, I will get to it. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it was so novel to me, and I just was blown away by this, especially the elephant look. Love Medley. I was just like, oh my God, I know all these songs. Mm-hmm. And every time I hear them in the real world, the actual song, I'm like, oh my God, Moulin Rouge. Yeah. It all comes back. So now, after this, I mean, Satine's like, oh, I can't believe it. I'm in love. No, Shirley said that. Wow. Oh, when we get the. When do they. Oh, it's during your song. With the umbrella and the moon and... They're dancing on yeah. rooftops and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yes. Satine and Christian develop a relationship secretly during, like, construction at the Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. turning into a theater. Um, the Duke, and they're, you know, rehearsing all of the time. Mm-hmm. I love the scenes where they're rehearsing in Christian's apartment. And she looks... I mean, she's still stunning, but she looks now she's regular pretty. Regular. Like I mean, like I mean, she's like with not, an asterisk. <laughs> she's not like made up or anything. She's in what is meant to be like a natural look. Yeah, and she's they they can't hide how gorgeous no Nicole Kidman is. They tone it down. I mean, she doesn't have like all the makeup, and even the hair doesn't look as red. She just but, she just is meant to look washed, basically. And oh, and you know, I didn't mention uh, that every now and then Satine is overcome with oh, yeah. Um, how would you describe it? Not like just coffee, she, but like unable to like breathe. A, she has like a fainting spell when where she can't breathe, almost as if she's asthmatic. Yeah, all of a sudden, because it first happens in the at the end of her opening number at yep. the Moulin Rouge, yep, where very dramatically she falls from the super high swing. Into yeah. the arms yeah. of into the Chocolat. arms of Le Chocolat. Le Chocolat. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and and so this happens a you know a couple more times and we see you know the classic coffin to a white tissue and you see specks of blood. This does not look good for Satine. Of course we already know from the very very beginning of the movie mm-hmm. that she dies. But somehow the movie makes you think that she'll survive. <laughs> does it? It does to me every time. Oh, okay. Not that I'm shocked. I'm like, "Oh my god, that's right she dies." But you kind of forget, and you you're rooting so hard for them that you're like, "No way, is she gonna die? Right? She'll live, right?" I mean, you kind of. I mean, it's the same thing of you want Jack to live at the end of Titanic. Yeah, of course. You want you don't want the boat to sink. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, but you know you, I mean? you know, but sure. during the course of the movie, you kind of fool yourself into thinking that I, and all end. I suppose. Any whoozle. So then the Duke is becoming frustrated because Satine is spending a lot of time with Christian. <coughs> and so to calm him down, because he like freaks out at Ziedler, um, Ziedler arranges for Satine to spend the night with the Duke. He finds and he finds out that she's dallying with the writer. <laughs> she's he finds out about her and Christian. He's like, no, you have to end it. Um, because she, he, this is where he tells Satine that the Duke has the title that holds the deed to, to the, the Moulin Rouge. He holds the deed to as the part Moulin of the Rouge. deal that the Duke has made for financing the construction of the theater yeah. and the mm-hmm. show is that he's going to take part ownership of the Moulin Rouge. Yeah, which I mean, that's all Ziedler has. Yeah, you know, he's, he's, yeah. I mean, he's just as broke as everyone else. Yeah, he just hides it differently. Um, so yeah, he tells Satine you're gonna have dinner with him at eight o'clock in the Gothic Tower. Um, you better fucking do it. And then she's upset, and then she has another spell, falls into like unconsciousness, and then the doctor finally comes in. Said she has consumption. She's dying, and Zeeler's like, well, don't tell her. The show must go on. That's mm-hmm. the, the you know, moral of the story. The show must go on. Um. So then, you know, he's, of course, we get the whole, you know, tell Christian it's over, hurt him to save him, that whole thing, which I usually cannot stand in, like, rom-com, you know, like, like I'm going to push him away to save him, because usually it's done poorly because there's only one it's only done right one time and it's this way because it's so upsetting because you know no it's not real and you you've been rooting for them and christian is so wonderful my nose itches i'm sorry um but yeah so and this is tearing satine apart i was a fool to believe um, but so because she fell like unconscious and she missed dinner, she they had originally planned for her and Christian to you know yeah. meet, but she doesn't show up to that or the dinner with the Gothic Tower. So she's missed you know she's missed standing up Christian yep. intentionally, and she's also missed her commitment to the Duke. Yeah, and so the only way for Ziedler to again calm the Duke down show up at the gothic tower and say 
Oh, she missed it because she's confessing her sins. No, he does no. not. He says, she's confessing. Because <laughs> that's right. He is extra. <laughs> How um, dare you say she's confessing? No. She's confessing her sins because she, uh, the Duke says he makes her feel like a virgin. You know... Touched for, for the, the very like his time. voice. It's so like uncomfortable yet like mesmerizing, <laughs> and I'm just like, keep talking. All right. <laughs> when you feel inside, <laughs> when you hold her, touch her, <laughs> uh, and we get a wonderful number, like a virgin. It's a, it's this it's one's so silly, and it. I mean, it's definitely like things. Because we're now at the point in the movie where, you know, nothing is really happy. <laughs> Everything is starting to unravel. Yeah. So this is like two minutes of a little bit of joy and laughter because like, it's like so ridiculous. We, like we as the audience know that Satine is now dying. Yep. We know that. She's hurting him to save him. That Christian's life is in peril because the Duke has said, I will have my henchman Warner kill him uh-huh so yeah the duke has like this thug bodyguard guy mm-hmm. who is gonna kill christian yeah he's so, a powerful and, man and, you know and, he can do it and christian has no knowledge of this no because he's a bohemian and he so in love. everyone has secrets that they're all keeping basically from christian he's the one who doesn't know anything yeah he's just in love he's like why weren't you there like, like Zeeler has secrets from Satine and from Christian and the Duke. Satine has secrets from Christian. The mm-hmm. Duke, well, he has no secrets. Everyone knows what he wants, and it's Satine. He could give two shits about the show. He just wants this woman. Yeah. But, um... And, and the story that's happening between... Christian and Satine and the show and Zeeler, it's all mimicking the story of Spectacular yeah. Spectacular. Play within a play, within yeah. a play, within a play. Um, you know, and then the next day, Satine's with Christian. He's like, where were you last night? And she's like, I told you I was sick. And, you know, she's like, you promised you would be jealous or whatever. And he's like, I'm going to write a special song. <laughs> and so he... Um, he writes a song called Come What May and it's you know their secret song and she's kind of like alright well maybe we can work on this maybe we can do this um, yeah she, she's again won over by his talent of course and Come What May was the only original song written for this movie but was not nominated for an Oscar because it was written for Romeo plus Juliet when, but unused when I first saw this movie I did not know Come What May was not a pre-existing song I I wasn't sure it yeah it was like some obscure Beatles song I didn't know of yeah like I didn't something. know it but I'm like well everything else is something so this must be something but no this maybe it would have been like a Celine Dion song I had mm. no fucking clue it was a Baz Luhrmann song but damn it and I was so bad when I found out that it couldn't it didn't qualify. I think that rule is that rule different is long now. Over, yeah. It was never you. It was written for yeah, written for Romeo plus Juliet. 
Never used. It should count. It was used in this. Would it have won? I don't know. Um, and I think I, I, mean, forgot. I think a song I didn't like won because I know Enya didn't win. And the fact that how would okay, so how would the Academy have even known that the song existed for Romeo and Juliet? Well, they do their research, like I don't know. I mean, because I don't know. I think what happens is you submit pieces for consideration to the Academy. Again. Like like if no you idea. if you've made a movie. Yeah. And you say we we want our movie <coughs> to be considered for best picture. You throw your name in the hat. The Academy picks the ones they want nominated, and that's it. So this song was thrown in the hat as a, a original song yeah. back in the Romeo plus Juliet days. Yeah. I don't know. Academy so rules they, are they, weird. They couldn't. I don't. Yeah, Baz yeah. And, and co. couldn't have undone that. Yeah. So. I don't know. Anyway, Come What May, it's their secret song. Um. It's a fun duet. Fun? It's a fun duet. I had the DJ play this song at our wedding. I have no memory of that. Second to last song. Do you remember what the last song was? It's another Baz. Oh, it wasn't the chicken dance? No. Oh. <laughs> Love is in the air from Strictly Ballroom. That was, I made the. Oh, that was the get your shit up. Pack time to your, go. Get your shit together. Grab we your shit. You had a shoes. good time. You got to get out. Bye. <laughs> um. So then we have the final rehearsal. Um, and Nini legs in the air. She's the can-can dancer. You all know Nini, played by Carol o- Caroline O'Connor. She She's uh, vindictive she, and jealous. Yeah, she doesn't like how popular Satine is, for one thing. And she kind of casually hints to the Duke um, while they're watching the rehearsal that... This ending's silly. Why, why would... would the courtesan end up with the penniless writer. Oh, I mean, Satan player. And of course, that something clicks in the yeah. duo. He's like, oh, shit. Because you're he, right. He is very slow. He's a little dense, you know. Oh, look, dear, a frog. So now the Duke is like beyond enraged and pissed. He, he, he's, he's a shrewd businessman, but he's just a, a doofus in every other aspect yeah. of the but world. But he's also evil. Well, he's yeah, evil. Because, yeah, he's he's riddled with insecurities. Yeah. And of course, he's yelling, why shouldn't the courtesan marry the Maharaja? And then I was waiting last night. I was I was waiting for Ewan to just yell it. I knew it was coming. Well, I knew everything was coming, but I was like, ah. Oh. And then, yeah, he yells, because she doesn't love you. And then I like when him. his voice cracks. H- him. him. She, she does- doesn't love him. She doesn't love him. So they've kind of... Thanks to Nini Legs in the Air. She's kind of, you know, screwed everything up. Whatever. Change the ending. The courtesan's going to end up with the Maharaja because that's how the Duke wants it. And Satine is like, I'll spend the night with you. Well, yeah, Satine, ever the. So Zealer is always, you know, kind of a hustler. Con yeah. man. Sure, that's what his job Satine is. Satine is always just the sh- the. She's essentially a, the consummate professional. Yeah. She knows how to put out the fires. Yep. 
And she looked. This might be. This is a a would be a very close second. Yeah, that for that her dress best that look. she's wearing. She's got this like this blood red like very like, like a dark East red. Asian inspired yeah. like mm-hmm. dress with this amazing like intricate gold head headdress headpiece. Yeah. I mean it. it she. You know what? Her dress was as form fitting and like and complimentary as <laughs> the Singapore Airlines stewardess. Oh, dresses. those are nice. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> okay. Continue. But yeah, she looks great. Yeah. And she's like, we'll decide on her ending. She's like, Duke, you know, you have to forgive the silly writer. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, he's, they're very emotional. Yes. Everyone is treating the Duke appallingly. Yep. You know, let's settle this over dinner. Mm-hmm. We'll decide how we want this, the show to end. Yeah. And this, of course, makes Christian jealous. And we get what I think is probably the best scene in any movie the past 23 years. His fucking peacoat. His peacoat. Just collar. Everything up. about this scene. Again, I, I was almost shaking. Like... Because I knew this was coming up. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This was another one where I I had to sit at the edge of the couch to smush my eyeballs as close to the uh, screen as possible. Yeah. So we get a... It cuts between Satine and the Duke at the Gothic Tower. You know, their date. And Christian at the Moulin Rouge Theater and... The, the dancers. They're all waiting to find out how the show is going to end. Yeah. Because they can't... They, they can't, can't do anything. They can't rehearse now. And at first, I, I had forgotten that's why they were there. I'm like, wait, are they just waiting for for her to get finished fucking? <laughs> like, oh, wait, no. <laughs> like, they, do you not have a home It's a to negotiation. Go to? They got to get the ending of the show. That's right. <clears throat> yeah. So then... And Nini can't help but be mean still. And she's just... Needling Christian. You'll get your ending once, once the, the Duke, Duke gets his end. end. <laughs> yeah. And of course, so Christian, like, he, he kind of lunges. He puts at her. hands on her, you yeah. know, pushes her away, whatever. Yeah, and he's... she gets all freaked out. Get your hands off me. The Argentinian, you know, separates them and he's like, all right. Let me just break it down for you. We have a dance. Sean's going to be coming. No. He's our Argentinian now. In the streets of Buenos Aires. Yep. That talks about, that tells a story of a man. A prostitute. A prostitute and a man who loves her or whatever, right? Who falls See, for her. Falls something. in love. Falls in love with her. Yeah. And this leads to, I, I, I can't think of any other movie that has like a tango that. I mean, okay, well. <sighs> There is a tango in Strictly Ballroom. That there final is. scene is pretty fucking awesome. But I don't get... I mean, I get the chills when I see that, too. Especially when he slides across the floor on his knees. But... Not, not a legal move. Not a legal move. <laughs> the bongo bongo. <laughs> um, but... But, yeah. there. I don't know. There's... But, yeah, the, the Argentinian has this sort of... The Argentinian, who doesn't have a name. He's just known as the Argentinian. Yep. The unconscious Argentinian, because he has narcolepsy. Uh-huh. He has this, um, like, violent interpretive dance number with Nini. 
I mean, it almost look like, looks like a choreographed like. It plays out as rape. like it plays out as like kind of a, a domestic abuse scene, or like gang rape because of all the other dancers yeah. coming. Yeah, because she's being tossed around. Yeah, to all the guys. It's very like visceral and like unnerving, especially when you get it cut between that and then Satine the Duke, who's mm-hmm. like about he, you know, whatever. They're still kind of having dinner, quote unquote. Gets her diamonds, and then. The whole troop pairs up and starts dancing this amazing, like, huge choreographed tango scene. What's the song? El Tango de Roxanne. Roxanne. You don't have to put on that red light. When I when I'm sick, I can sound like the Argentine rocks. And I don't know when I first saw the, the movie. <laughs> when I first saw this movie, and the Argentinian, the 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 Polish Argentinian, yep. starts singing in this almost over dramatically gravelly voice. Uh. Starts singing Roxanne. At first, I thought it Were was. You like caught a, off guard. At first, I thought it was like a joke. Oh, uh huh. Like, oh, they're just kind of making fun of this guy who can't sing. And he, it's not that he can't sing, but he doesn't sound like Christian. He doesn't have like a melodious voice. Yeah, it is like the most passionate, like longshoreman, just gruff man of the sea. <laughs> yeah, singing like. Like a dirge. It is one of the most, for me at least, one of the most emotional scenes in this movie. The whole thing. And it's amazing. Yeah. I can't. It's the angriest version of Roxanne you've ever heard or seen. Yeah. And while it's all going on, um, the Duke, well, because... You, uh, Christian is like walking out of the theater. You know, he does his singing, which he sounds great. He's hitting a lot of those high notes in this song. This is the song where he hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, even for me, they're high. And Satine is out on the balcony of the Gothic Tower and she sees Christian. And then the Duke sees her looking at Christian. He's like, oh, I see penniless writer or whatever, sitar, whatever he says. And he gets mad. Duke gets fucking. He, he realizes mad. where her affections genuinely lie. Yeah, and he rips the diamonds off her neck again. This is all in tango, no pun intended, uh, with the tango scene. And it's God, I don't know how bad stinks of these edits. I, it blows me away. I don't know that he does. I think it might be Joe Pat Billcock. Billcock. Well. It's definitely his vision. No, it is, but I mean. But yeah, she's a she's the one who makes editor. it actually happen. Yeah, I, it's, it's like magic. It really is magic how they do that. Um, and then like the Duke almost rapes her until Le Chocolat shows up. He, I mean, he punches, would have had yeah, had, yeah, Chocolat not punches the lights out of him, takes her back to um christians and she's like Mm -hmm. because she had told him when does she tell him that she's we're done 
after but this. F- is it after? Because, the, yeah, she goes to Christian, tells him that she couldn't lie to him. She couldn't, you know, all she wants is Christian. And, but she's like, what, well, what can we do? And he's like, well, we'll just leave. And go, she's getting ready. Go right. pack your bags, grab yep, your things, that's right. and we'll leave in the morning. And that's when Ziedler, it's like, you know, you can't leave. And then he tells her, Satine, you're dying. Yes. And, she, and I think she's probably known, but she hasn't wanted to admit it. Well, she I knows mean, that obviously whatever's happening to her is not normal. Yeah. Well, I guess it was 1899. Who, who knows what normal was? Um, tells her, your, Ill, your disease is fatal. The Duke's going to murder Christian. If you want Christian to live, cut him off completely. Never see him again. You'll be with the Duke. He'll give you everything. Mm. So then that's when she goes back to Christian and you know, he's all ready to go when she's like, we're done. <laughs> and this, I, I Nicole is great in this scene because on one hand, she sounds very cold. And then and, at the and, same and time. she still looks great. Oh, yeah. Her weird like traveling suit she's wearing. Yeah. And she looks great during this whole next song. Mm. Um. Which is started by Ziedler. Uh, the show must go on. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we had a conversation one time. Like, or we were talking to people on the set of Tailsting about mm-hmm. this scene and the lighting. I don't know who, I feel like there was something we were talking about and whoever we were talking to was like I know it could have been what's his nuts, the mm. lighting in mm. this scene and all the stuff about. It. For some reason, I remember having a convo about it. I do not. Okay. <laughs> um. But yes, we get show must go on. Um. Nicole sounds great. The lighting's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love just mm-hmm. the shot of her. It's like the equivalent of my Leia shot in Last Jedi. But you know what I'm talking about. No, I, I know what you're talking about. Where she looks up. It's just her face. I know. Uh, I mean, I kind of... Okay. No. This one is actually better than that. It is. Well, it is. <laughs> it is. I mean, if now if Carrie Fisher was singing... <laughs> oh, God. That'd while waiting for, you know, the for the first order to show up or whatever... Sure, that'd be... Then, then maybe. be a completely different movie. But uh, yeah, no. I get it. So, yeah, she. So she she ends it with Christian. Yep, yep, yep. And then she, we. I have, mean, she she breaks his heart. Yeah, like he. He's devastated to say the least. And yet he still says he knows something that that she's not telling him. Yeah. And he's not going to accept that she just doesn't love him. He's gonna. He fine. He's gonna let her leave because he has no choice. He's gonna keep. He's gonna, getting in the way. He's going to, he yeah. needs to find out. Yeah. And so it's opening night of the show. Oh, well. Yeah, it leads up to opening night because he runs to the theater. Yeah. I was going to say went to Toulouse. And then gets thrown out. Yeah. Gets punched and. Because, yeah. He, in the rain. He, he runs, he runs to the Moulin Rouge. Does like his whole. Stella. Stella. Yeah. Oh, but so much better. Um. Yeah, he gets the shit beat out of him by the yep. bouncers yep. at the Moulin Rouge. And now he's sitting in bed 
just with no direction. Just he has nowhere. He's he doesn't know what he's gonna do now. <coughs> he has no girl. He has no show to work on. Yep. He has nothing. He has no reason to exist. Yeah. In Paris. And his only comfort. Not even a comfort, though, no, to him. What's perceived as a comfort is the is one friend he might have in the form of Toulouse Lautrec. Sean's the scene that makes Sean cry every this, time. I because I it's it's the most acting I've ever seen John Leguizamo do. Like peace, he peace. He I because he's. <laughs> It's funny because I would say he's a clown every other time I see him. He's kind of a clown in, in this some too. way, you know. He even I think he even has a comedy special called The Clown. Okay, continue. Mm-hmm. He's always just kind of a the jokey, like not to be taken too seriously, kind of you know. Yeah, like even in Romeo and Juliet, he's still like putting on a show. Yeah, you know? yeah. But yeah, in this scene when he offers like what he thinks is words of comfort to Christian. Because Toulouse-Lautrec was a little person. He was, you know, he was, he was a dwarf. Yeah. And he tells Christian, Christian, you may see me only as a drunken, vice-ridden gnome whose friends are just pimps and girls from the brothels. But I know about art and love. Only because I long for it with every fiber of my being. And and he says, she loves you. I know she loves you. And Christian doesn't want to hear this. No. Toulouse thinks this is the one thing that's going to comfort him. Go away. And he yells at Toulouse. And it and makes him... It makes him jump. It makes him jump I just a little like, bit. I remember when you told me that you noticed that many, many moons ago. And then I see it every time now. Like, it's the slightest little flinch. Yeah. But to me, it it always, like, just is soul-crushing to me, anyways. Yeah. It is. I mean, the on both sides. And even laughing, I'm, I know it word for word. Yeah. Scene by millisecond by millisecond. <laughs> I know this fucking scene. Yeah. I was still, like, just a, a sopping... Wet mess. Yeah. So now it's opening night. And Christian is <laughs> on a mission. Yeah. He's he's no longer sad. He's no longer broken hearted. He's angry. Yeah. He gets money. He sells his typewriter. Yeah. He he pawns his typewriter. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. He has a handful of cash and he's going to the Moulin Rouge. Yeah. And we get an interesting, like, Bollywood chama chama. This production. It's like an acid trip. It's the most magical thing that I would. Like, I would love to see a musical version of this movie on stage. Well, nope. guess what? No, I <laughs> We'll have to be, it'll come to Minneapolis someday. I mean, and we had, even when this movie was still new, we talked about how, how would this be done on stage? Oh, I wrote, I wrote the stage agitation in 2006. Like, 
we had a I did the vision of like a, a there were three stage sets. and threes in three pieces. One, two, three. <laughs> yeah. But but the mm-hmm. the the Chama Chama. The spectacular, spectacular production in this movie. Hindi set diamonds. Oh my god. It's I would pay money just just to see just that. Yeah. Um Satine sings a very well, I guess Bollywood-esque diamonds are a girl's best friend. She's in her Hindi said diamonds costume. She looks fucking depressed as shit, but whatever. She has every reason, every reason to be. Um, And Christian is weaving his way backstage. He's making his way to find Satine. And he finds her. She's like, go away because Warner is there with his gun. And he's yelling, why can't I pay you like everyone else? Whatever. And yelling. And then um, they end up on stage. Like the door opens or whatever. So everyone sees them. And then he throws his money at her. Oh, because Zito's like, oh! He's trying to cover, you know, he's trying to pretend like this yeah, was. Yeah, while he's chasing Satine, the Argentinian happens to have another, oh, yeah. Narcolep- another narcolepsy spell. So then he takes his costume off. Yeah, so Zito's Now like, he's wearing the costume. Look, it's the same Maharaja. No, penniless sitar player. Like, though he has shaved off his beard and adopts a disguise. My eyes! It's <laughs> so silly. But of course, the audience is like, oh, yes, of course, yeah. that must be correct. Yeah, and then Christian's like, throws the money at her. Thank you for curing me of my ridic- ridiculous like, obsession with love. He looks into the audience and he's he's basically speaking to the Duke. And he's like, this woman is yours now. I've paid my whore. Ooh. And yeah, storms off. And even like Zeeler, like, quietly tells Satine it's for the best. Because he he understands what's happening in real life. Yeah. And she's crying because, well, obviously she's visibly upset that Christian said all that stuff to her. And meanwhile, Toulouse is like, oh, I forgot my line. What is it? What is it? What is it? And then finally he remembers his line. He comes crashing through the rafters and yells, the greatest thing you'll ever learn is just to love and be loved in return. I'm not going to say it like he does. That would hurt my voice. Uh, yeah, the whole theme of of the sitar's existence is that it can only speak the truth. Oh, I only speak the truth. I only speak the truth. <laughs> that I, I don't dress up for. I don't dress up in costumes for Halloween. But I, he would be a sitar, even though it looks like a giant dick. <laughs> yes, I would. Okay, and then we get my second favorite scene in the movie: the come up me. Reprise. When she stands up, because she's like, oh, shit, you're right. You're right. The greatest thing you ever learn. And she starts singing, you know, never knew. So she starts singing what is what was intended to be like the secret the song secret within song. the play. Yeah. Which is not supposed to be in this play now because. Yeah, it's a different ending. It's the Duke's ending with no song. He, she yes, yes, Maharaja. yes. She, yeah, she starts singing their song. It's so good, because she's she's singing and on and, camera and Christian, and he stops. He realizes what's happening at this point. Yeah, and then he kind of turns around and she stops. She's like waiting for him to see if he's gonna 
follow suit and it's like silent the audience is like <gasps> and then all of a sudden you hear him come what may I fucking love this scene so much I can't even tell you the reason why I wanted to burn the movie onto compact disc was so I could listen to this version of come what may because does, it not, so, does it not exist in the soundtrack no because oh. no. there's so raw and you hear her sniff because she's crying <laughs> yeah we so we, back when this song this movie was relatively still new we were so obsessed with this movie that yeah. we had it we had the audio ripped and put onto cd two cds yeah and i would just get in my car and just listen to this movie that's why we know i think every sound of this movie because i would just listen to the audio in the car and this is one of those rare movies where all you need is the audio. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it looks fucking amazing. True. Yeah. But the audio obviously. is so... And there's so much... Yeah, there's two soundtracks, but there's so much that aren't on those soundtracks mm-hmm. still that mm, highly recommend ripping the audio from this movie. <laughs> put it on whatever. Put it on your phone. I don't care. So yeah, then Christian walks up back on stage... As they're singing their song, and he sounds so fucking good. And I mean, and it changes the course of the play as far as the audience is concerned. Yeah, audience erupts in applause. Um, Duke, and we have another kind of series of and vaudevillian madcap. Like Warner is trying to get the gun because yep. it's been knocked out of his hands. Everyone, all the performers are, you know, doing their best to thwart him. Yeah, and, and he's trying to be, you know, he's he. Very cartoony. He's sneaking around. He's trying to blend in with the orchestra. He grabs a tambourine. You know, all this weird, you know, silly shit. And then the... And then he finally gets... Warner gets, you know, defeated. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I guess. And the Duke, on the verge of defeat, he's leaving the theater. And then the gun lands, you know, in the aisle behind him. And he decides a last-ditch effort. He, He... he may not get the girl. He's gonna, but he's gonna kill Christian. Yeah. Do you want to take a break? I'm gonna take a quick break. <laughs> a little longer than a few minutes later. So yeah, the crowd explodes into applause. Everyone is like on cloud nine. They had a great yeah, like show. The curtain closes and there's confetti. Yep. And, and even I like to loose. He's like, what a beautiful, what a beautiful production perform- performance. Performance, I think, yeah, yeah, beautiful. And Christian looks happier. They're all than happy. He's been in an hour. <laughs> um, and then of course Satine suddenly <laughs> does has her thing, breathing thing, and she collapses. There's blood kind of trickling down the side of her mm-hmm. mouth, and Christian's like, "What the hell?" Because he had no idea yeah. that she was sick, and she tells him that. You know, she's dying. Write our story. That way I'll always be with you. Mm-hmm. Of course, she says this in labored breath. Barely gets it out. And Christian is crying. His crying? Yeah, I was going to ask you what you feel about Ian McGregor's crying. Um, as far as like, as far as like movie crying. So I know I how thought... you are with like men that cry. You're always. It depends. Like. You're usually me, very like, like struck by it. Men that men, crying men is usually to me the saddest thing. 
aside from like a child crying. Unless it's like annoying child yeah, crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like stop complaining. Um, it's one of the most tragic crying scenes I've ever seen. Like it, I thought you McGregor's actually he might actually be crying. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure he is. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I realize he's actually crying, but I mean, it it no. genuinely looks like like he's on the verge of like a, a some kind of freak out. Well, and then that audible <clears throat> sound he makes at the end, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Loudly sobbing, yeah. It's like, oh my, you know, and obviously, I, I, and like, I compare it to the Tom Cruise crying scene in Magnolia, and I'm like, night and fucking day. You don't even know. Like, I, I still see in my head. I still. If you had to rank your top five crying? men crying scenes, I can't think of any right now. I can't think of any. I mean, excluding like present company. I don't know. I'd have to like think about it. Well, um, what's his name in uh, Two Towers? Oh, Bernard Hill. Yeah. No parent should have to bury the child. That one is tragic. Sure. Of course. Um, yeah. Ewan. Uh, the old. James Francis Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Oh, I thought something Francis Daly. John Francis Daly. I was like, did he cry in Freaks and Geeks? Okay, anyway. Um, yeah. So old Matt Damon, uh-huh. Yeah. All right, that's interesting. Does he cry? Or in this? At the, you know, at at the end. At the very with end his daughter. Got, the grave, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, no, Christian. I mean, yeah, you and McGregor. It, that one's up there. That it's. What well, What about Leo in Romeo plus Juliet? Is that a little too messy? Um. No. So that actually reminded me. Uh, when Christian runs to the Moulin Rouge to call to yell for Satine. Yeah, I thought of when. Leo is saying, I curse you stars. And also, when <sighs> Christian stands in the window and yells during the tango, oh, it reminded yeah, yeah, me of Leo mm-hmm. yelling mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. the church. Is that where he uh-huh. is? I don't remember. Yeah. And I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, in Baz's Elvis, um, Austin Butler as Elvis Presley. Uh-huh. Is a good cry. There's a oh really? There's like a freak out. It's a good crying scene. Hmm. I mean, there's a lot of crying in that movie because. <laughs> um, I wish I, I wish we owned it because I want to talk about it so bad. It's I don't know if I. That's a movie that I I can't just watch. I have to be. Well, you know what this setting of like you know the podcast that might actually be the way for me to watch it because i i yeah. have i i know that i'll have a week to think about leading up to it yeah. so yeah that's why we buy our movies hmm. maybe that's the way if i it. find it at half price books i'm grabbing it mm, okay. i mean it's long i'm i mean i hey i'm still it's on like the three. hunt for the suicide squad 
Well, so, you know. it's at half price books, but no, I know, but it's, it's still like it's three, not like splurge worthy. It's like three dollars more than I want to spend. Yeah, I guess I am counting three dollars. Like it, I check not, every time. I'm like, has it gone down? No, nope. it's not cheap enough to be like, oh yeah, no problem. It's still like that's that's lunch, and we're talking about ten dollars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're talking about we're talking about nine ninety nine. <laughs> Nine ninety nine. Nine nine times. Um. So yeah, Satine collapses and dies. And I mean, in Christian's arms. That's such a. <coughs> that whole scene is so like perfectly tragic. Everyone is still in full makeup. They're lose, still celebrating. Toulouse is still like in like basically clown face, but and who was just like the happiest he could have been a second ago mm-hmm. to now, you know, sad clown. And then everyone just is standing around them, like in a circle, just the looking Argentinian at them. is there, and I mean, everyone is just broken. Yeah. And and then you get the juxtaposition of the camera moving up behind the curtain and looking out. Over this still raucous, cheering crowd, mm-hmm. the audience who had, I mean, fully lit, super bright, and mm-hmm. it's you know dark and dingy backstage, you know. Oh, it's yeah, and then a beautiful shot. And then the the movie ends with Christian, how he was at the very beginning in his apartment, starting to days turned into weeks, weeks became months, and then one day. I sat down. I, was, I started to write. Or and I says. wrote our story. Yeah. And ends with. Um, it ends with the end of his story. The end. Yeah. yeah. Does he type out the greatest thing you'll ever learn? I don't think so. Oh, wait. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember what he typed. But yeah. And it ends on a very dour note. Yeah. Because he's still. I mean, yeah. It ends with him. You know, living his dream of being a writer in Paris, but it's not, it. it's the whole thing of, you know, <laughs> be careful what you wish for, basically. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking, like, this is part of the Red Curtain trilogy. You have Strictly Ballroom, which ends on such a high note mm-hmm. with Love is in the Air. Mm-hmm. And, and then Romeo and Juliet. Which ends predictably tragically. Predictably tragic. And then <coughs> this one... I mean, again, we know it's going to end tragically, but I don't know. But uh, you know what else ends tragically is Elvis. <laughs> Why? What happens at the end? Uh, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but yeah, I was because I was thinking of the ending of, of Rome and Juliet because I was like, oh god, Baz really likes his depressing endings. I'm like, but wait, strictly ballroom, completely different. Mm-hmm. But well, the thing with like Romeo and Juliet, I mean, it's. That's an existing piece of art. Yeah, it's, it's like that's you know that's the Titanic. That's the Titanic. Yeah. You know how it ends. Yeah. So yeah, I I don't really that to me that that doesn't count so much because it acts the ending of of Romeo and Juliet ends on all are no because we still get the we get the the newscaster. Oh yeah. And I think don't we end with um, Juliet? Isn't it like a flashback, sort of like a yeah, a disembodied flashback of like the bedroom scenes and stuff? Oh, right. 
That does sound God. I mean, we watched it. It's like doesn't it end with her like you know under the ago. sheet, you know, whatever, smiling and stuff. Or am I thinking? Am I? Am I? And then, or it, does it just end on the TV? I think it ends on the TV. Okay. Yeah. It's still depressing <clears throat> as fuck. This is depressing as fuck. Well, Romeo and Juliet isn't depressing. It's it's a it's tragedy. It's a it's yes. a tragic story. Yes. Well, so is this. But. This is depressing, though. Yeah. Like, it, there's a difference. I mean, Roman Gillette's a sad story. This is fucking depressing. This, this is suicidally depressing. So what's Roman Gillette? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, Frankie. Sorry. I can't come back. Come um, back. <laughs> sorry, I'm... Well, my cop drop. Don't do it under the fucking mm, mic. It sounds good. No, it doesn't. So... Yes, and then the movie ends with um, some great um, bolero music. So, some couple fun facts. There's a lot of info in this movie. Um, Hold for a plane. Fun facts! So, can you guess that, take a guess at uh, anyone who may have auditioned for the role of Christian before Ewan McGregor won the part? There's an obvious one who had someone who'd worked with Thurman before. We were just talking about him. Mm, Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio auditioned. Uh, Lerman also considered Heath Ledger mm. and Jake Gyllenhaal. I can't even, I can't, I can't, cannot. Nope, absolutely not. No Jude Law. No. This uh, doesn't say. Who else? Because Heath and Jake could sing. I'm not sure about Jude Law. I I I I can. Jude Law doesn't. He doesn't have the the, the look. And you I know can what, almost Jake see Jill Heath. I could too. This was the same time as Night's Tale, another movie that got us through the summer via the Valerian in Northridge. I could see him, and again, maybe it's because he's Australian. I don't know. Um, I think Ewan was the right choice. Oh, yeah, obviously. Thank you. You know who auditioned for the role of Satine? Um, she didn't get it, but she gave approval for using spells like Team Spirit. Teen Spirit, not Team. Teen. Ew. Courtney Love. Ew. Auditioned. Ew. And they're like, sorry, but and could we use your dead husband's song? <laughs> She's like, Okay. So filming went like pretty smoothly, except Nicole Kidman broke her ribs twice when she was lifted into the air during some of the dance sequences. Mm -hmm. Uh, She also suffered from a torn knee cartilage resulting from a fall. Yeah, she fell. I remember that. Um, She ended up doing like scenes in the wheelchair. She broke a rib while getting getting into a corset, uh, tightening it to achieve the 18-inch waist Uh uh crack, and then she fell down the stairs. While dancing in heels. Yeah. She's all over the place. I don't think anything happened to you in regard Yeah, she did scenes while in a wheelchair. She's just... I mean, that's crazy. She's wonderful. She's a fucking um, pro. The production, uh, you know, it kind of went over the shooting schedule. And they and they had to get out of the sound stages to make way for what 2002 movie starring Ewan McGregor? <laughs> oh, really? Star Wars Episode Two. Yeah. Attack of the Clones. Really? And so production moved to Madrid so Attack of the Clones could move in mm-hmm. to 
Sydney or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Rotten Tomatoes. 87. 76. It's a little fucking low, Tomato Man. Yeah, but this is also the same group that gives Practical Magic 22. 22. Um, and I feel like at the time, of course, I feel like today everyone's like, oh my God, Melinda's is amazing. It's the, I feel like at the time there were people who were like, that's fucking bonkers. I don't like it. And I felt like an outlier for liking it so much. You, you, despite the accolades it would get at like with eight Oscar nominations, all that shit. I don't. I feel like I, at the time... I it feel was... like what this movie suffered from was people didn't understand what Baz Luhrmann was all about. No. No. they Like, he wasn't like, oh, that's a Baz Luhrmann would, thing. You would know? you say that this movie was, like, ahead of its time? I hate saying that. Yeah, it's kind of a cop-out for actually having a conversation about it, but would you... It was definitely, like, it set... It made it okay for other, it made it okay, it made it so that people realize that doing something like this was okay. And I don't think Chicago would have been what it was it, the following year had it not been for Moulin Rouge. Suddenly it was okay to think that musicals were really good and it was okay to start doing musicals again because the, the there had been a drought. The best the best like sort of a contemporary example of like a similar phenomenon is Hamilton. Yeah. You net you we you you didn't have anything like Hamilton until Hamilton. Yeah. And now you have six. Now you have that other that Juliet. Yeah, you have show. much more meta and Yeah. Yeah, it Very, definitely all this referential. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, if you didn't I <laughs> forgot that we weren't listening to anything and I was like what is this soundtrack with fucking sirens playing? Oh wait, no, that's real life. Sorry. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> there are sirens in the background. Mm. But yeah, so yeah, this movie yes, it was ahead of its time. But more so, this movie set a new, it, it just set a new precedent. Yeah. Is all it really did. Yeah. Um, Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times mm-hmm. gave it 3.5 mm-hmm. out of 4. He said, the movie is all color and music, sound and motion, kinetic energy, broad strokes, operatic excess. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say uh, they all check the boxes. And he says it like it's a Bad thing. Well, three point five is good. It's not right. like he gave it, but he's like saying two point five. It would have been a four if it weren't <clears throat> for those things. Yeah, Raj. You know, we all know where you are now. Whoa! <laughs> Kick a dead man while he's down. You know, I've seen his <laughs> least favorite movies of all time list, and I'm not happy. Hey, I've seen Return of the Valley of the Dolls or whatever. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. So, Entertainment Weekly terrible. ranked Moulin Rouge. Number six on its list of the top ten movies of the decade. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, and that... Respectable. Yeah. Saying Baz Luhrmann's trippy pop culture pastiche from 2001 was an aesthetically arresting ode to poetry, passion, and Elton John. It was so good, we'll forgive him for Australia. 
I burn. I agree with that 100%. And the film was also selected by the National Board of Review as the best film of 2001. That is saying a lot because Fellowship of the Ring came out in 2001. I mean. And in the bedroom. <laughs> okay, okay. And Josie and the Pussycats right, well, and Night's Tale. Okay. Okay, well, okay. So the movie, um, like I said, received eight Oscar nominations, which I think surprised a lot of people. Uh, I mean. Mm. Um, the big ones, you know, Best Picture, which it did not win. What won that year? Beautiful Mind. I, I which mean, we've I, covered on this podcast. I love A Beautiful Mind. It is not the best picture of 2001. I don't know that it's... There are two that are... Def- three that are better than it. This Fellowship of the Ring and Night's Tale. I don't know that A Beautiful Mind is is a is a better... <sighs> no. I, they're, they're two completely different things. <sighs> Um, Nicole Kidman was nominated for Best Actress. <clears throat> she did not win. And and yeah, Nicole, we've said this many times tonight. She's amazing in this movie. But Ewan McGregor is just as, if not, maybe even a little bit better. Because what he's doing is the most believable performance I think I've ever seen anyone do. You could take this role... And treat it as a sh- kind of schmaltzy, doe-eyed lover boy in a, you know, okay, that's obnoxious. But the way he plays Christian is so genuine and so real. And I don't, I feel like what Yuman is doing is very low-key, but like, and which is probably why he didn't get the accolades like Nicole did because what she does is so much. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you watch his performance, you're like, fuck, I, I, I don't even have to pretend like I like he's acting because this seems, this is just, he's so good. I can't, I have no words. That's all. If, if you didn't, you know, if you didn't know, who would you have guessed? Who would you say was the star of this movie? Well, Nicole Kidman. Why? Because she's shown the most, she... Because she was doing so much more at such a higher scale that she what? overtakes every scene she's in. But what Gil McGregor is doing is holding it all together. Okay, what what is it that gives an actor like top billing? I don't know. I don't know how because, politics I mean, work. Nicole Kidman is top yeah. billed. Yeah, yeah. Is it only because she's the bigger name? I always assume that's why. Like, who was who would be this? Because you and McGregor has more screen time, not by much. Yeah, sure, not by much. But I mean, he he's is, in almost every scene. But like in Romeo plus Juliet, who's the star of that? Leonardo DiCaprio. Even though at the time he was still relatively unknown, I and, don't know. And the movie is. It's actually more about Juliet. Yeah. Even though we see her a little bit less. You know. Yeah. Is I don't know. Is I mean, Leo top billed on that? Do we even know? I mean, they both have their name at the top. He's mm-hmm. on the left, she's on the right. 
Who's listed first on IMDb? That's the big question. Probably Leo because he's bigger now. I bet you but ten. But I don't. Bucks. I don't know if that's how they do it though. You know I don't I mean? know because I don't know the politics of that shit. It, it's fucking weird. Like a lot of it, I know is yeah. It is Leo. He is yeah first build. That I don't know. That would be a, an interesting project for you to work on off air. But uh, uh, so this was the first musical to receive a best. Picture nomination since. Can you guess? Something oh fucking old. No, the movie was from nineteen ninety one. It's actually animated. Beauty and the Beauty Beast. Beauty and the Beast. That was that that was nominated as a musical, not No, it was not for your best picture. No, I know. Oh. But they're saying Moulin Rouge is the first movie musical to be nominated mm. since Beauty and the Beast. The the musical category, the, does that trump the animation category? You know what I mean? Mm, or, no. it, like, this be, would Beauty and the Beast qualify as being, like, you know, the first, you know, like, you could you could use that as a benchmark for an, an animated movie that's nominated for Best Picture? Yeah, which most and, people do, because it was yeah. the first animated movie to be yeah. nominated for Best Picture, until they created the Best Animated But yeah, but so, yeah, category. Beauty and the Beast, it checks multiple <coughs> boxes at once. I think so, yeah. Okay, okay. okay. I... I um, can you guess what wasn't nominated? What do you mean? What wasn't like what? What, what didn't get nominated yeah. for? Which made Whoopi Goldberg say, "I guess Moulin Rouge just directed itself." Same with Prince of Tides. Prince of Tides. <laughs> because it, yeah. that was the 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 Billy Crystal thing. Yeah. Did this direct itself? Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with this. Baz Luhrmann was not nominated, which is the Whatever. Won't get into the Oscars, that whole thing. Was Jill Bilcock nominated? I'm sure. Um, it won. I don't have the list of all, but eight, I'm sure. Something was. But it won for Best Costume Design, Best Art Direction. Slam dunk in both those categories. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Come What May, disqualified. Mm-hmm. Fucking bullshit. Okay. Um, the budget... Not as high as you would think, I guess. I, I couldn't even get. I couldn't even guess. So the budget was fifty million. I would have guessed a hundred. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> box office. Considering it's actually less than I thought, because considering how big this was in my life and how it was very popular, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the number is less than I. Hmm. One seventy nine point two million. I mean, financially, it's it's a success. <laughs> yeah. What are you looking for? I'm looking at the the, the list the, of nominations. So yeah, Catherine Martin won. Yeah, costume. And then it won for best for art, you know, art direction. Yeah, yeah you said. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, because it. It doesn't show the other categories that didn't it, win. Well, it's showing me all the the oh. different awards oh, it's been, yeah. it was nominated for, and okay. so it doesn't go in any kind of order. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, this that's all I have. Um, God, it was fun watching this last night. Who who directed Nightsdale? Brett Helgeland. Yes, Brad. 
Brett, Brett or Brett? I don't remember. Brett Hellquist was an illustrator for Unfortunate Events. But uh, <laughs> what year was that? Was that 2001? Yeah. Remember I said it was a better movie than Beautiful mm-hmm. Mind? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? Yeah, I, th- I find it curious that they both did a similar thing with modern music in a period mm. thing. And I remember the problem with uh, Night Sale is he couldn't get... He couldn't th- get the rights to some songs. Like like Foxy Lady he couldn't yeah. get. Yeah. Would Baz have been able to get it, do you think? I don't know. I don't know how because they the make these deals. Because the number of songs that Baz was able to get... I mean, you think that's what the budget was, right? $50 million went to those songs and like, the, and the like, elephant. I, I want to compare how many songs... How many different songs are in this movie compared to how many different songs appear in Deadpool 2? There's a lot. There is. There is. Because Wade Wilson, a.k.a. Deadpool. Yep. Here we go. He loves his music. Yeah. And he's got great eclectic taste. And apparently so does Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, I mean that's just commonplace now. That I mean, it's a big deal to be the, the the music supervisor on a set of movie because it can, especially now with like things going viral and you know running off that hill. Kate Bush being on Stranger Things. I mean, it's such a big part of movies do you think and music shows has now. Gotten, do you think music has gotten cheaper to buy rights to? Fucking no, because I don't know like, how much it costs to be like with. like whoever you know the rights holders know that. Okay, we'll charge you less up front because we know that you'll make us we're, money we're on banking, the back end. We're banking on it paying off in new younger listeners, you know, downloading our music now. I yeah. Again, I don't know anything about that thing. Maybe you just look at Glee, which had an average of a hundred songs per season. How much money was that? You know? I mean who who knows? Oh, I have the, the okay. Oscar nominees. All right. Tell me before I go. It was ahead. nominated for Best Sound. Yep. Best makeup. Yes. It was nominated for best editing. Okay. She yep. didn't win. Best cinematography. And then best actress, you know, for yep. Nicole. And then best picture. And then it won for costume and set design or art direction. As it should. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We're both just. Um, but yeah, I just this movie is. I don't know. It might have even moved into number one last night. Probably not. Fellowship of the Ring is still up there. That's my number one. But I mean, yeah, my, my top three is definitely fluid. Yeah. So this will this will percolate to the top occasionally. And it, it definitely did last night where yeah. I couldn't think of any other movie in the world. Yeah. I'm like, there's <laughs> no other movies, right? This is it. So I mean, this is the one we get. Um, Yeah. It's just... And for some reason, if you haven't, if y'all haven't seen it, by God. I, well, I remember my roommate, Dana. Yeah. Was absolutely against this movie. I feel like I remember that. She thought it just, the premise was ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if she ever saw it then. I'm almost certain she's seen it by now. And she was a theater person. Yeah, she had makeup. Well, I mean, even aside from that, she was an mm. actual like theater oh, yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I wonder 
And usually this is like mm. a theater person's like dream. This would be a theater person's wet dream. Okay, there's a child in the room. I forgot. Um, um, and, you know, as a lot of people know, I think it was, was it 2018, 2017, this, this finally hit Broadway as an actual Broadway production, which I don't know why it took so long. Because um, it's, it might, I think it's the reality was it, it seems like it should be impossible to do. I mean, you have to do a, a, a play within a play within a play. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. And I mean, just the scale of it. How do you do you risk scaling it back? No. Or do you risk blowing your entire budget by making it as big as humanly possible? Well, the the one thing I heard about this show is that it looks expensive. That is what I want to see because <laughs> because the spectacular spectacular Bollywood number that. Production yeah. on the stage in a in a fake theater in a fake movie in a fake fucking everything. That yeah. thing looks expensive as fuck. Yeah. Um. So, quick, what's your favorite song number? <sighs> I'm torn between Can Can and the Tango. Okay. It depends on my mood, I guess. Like, if I go into it excited, I'm there for the can-can. Okay. Say the first thing hits your mind. Favorite song? Can-can. Favorite Centene dress? Again. Oh. First thing that enters your mind? Well, of course, it's the red the dress. The red dress. Is this Ewan's best hair movie? Yes. I. <laughs> all he needed was a little paddle on ponytail. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He needed the rat tail. I, no, um, one thing I really wanted to quick... A little teeny memory of like when I saw this with Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. There is a scene during the rehearsal where they write, where he whips up Come Up May, mm-hmm. the secret song. And he's singing and scratches at the back of his uh-huh. neck. Yeah. He looks down. That's the scene where she noticed Elizabeth she fucking squealed. Oh. Gasped, squealed, whatever, who knows when he did that. And that's when I was like, yes. This man is gorgeous mm. that's all i always think of that though when i see that scene i just remember her going <laughs> <laughs> it's funny yeah moulin rouge exclamation point i i did want to mention that um when we were talking about when they were trying to sell the duke on the idea of the show harold ziegler ziedler 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 he he knows of the show he it was it's I'm so I'm guessing um Toulouse had been pestering Harold, mm. you know, to put on because Harold mentions Audrey is yeah. writing the show. Yes, and they're like, no, and no, they're no, like, no, 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 no. Audrey Weft. <laughs> That's what Toulouse says. Audrey yes. Weft. Yeah. Cats out of the bag. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, okay. he's he's aware which is why he's able to to fall in sync a little yeah. faster. I he just, picks up came, quickly. It came to me a minute ago. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you'd like to say? Okay. Anything else you want to add about this no, spectacular my, movie? My I've worked my I've worked my voice. Wrong. I know. We're both like, uh Should we pick for next week then? And now I gotta take off my headphones and one sixty nine. 
Nine time. Moulin Rouge review, a jukebox musical for the ages. Oh, it, her, it looks beautiful. The fucking elephant is up there. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Is but that that's cool? Is that the actual stage? <gasps> really? Oh yeah. Can we go? I want to go see. It. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? Oh, well, we're not going yeah, to New York. Yeah, we're gonna go to New York. Okay, one sixty-nine. Hey Google. Oh shit. Hey Google. Pick a number from 1 to 169. Here's a random number, 108. 108? It's not any of your movies. What letter? Starts with a P. The Pelican Brief. Wow. Hey, same actress. Who's in the Pelican Brief? Oh, wow. Claire Danes? (laughs) No. Julia Roberts? Yes. Pretty woman. Pretty woman. I haven't seen this fucking movie in... Since 1990, when it came out. Quite possibly, actually. No, I've seen it since then. Uh, (laughs) I haven't seen it in the last 20 years. Yeah, it's probably been a long time. But you know what? I have nothing but fond memories of this movie. It's a fucking... It'll be interesting to see, like, how it's aged. I know a lot of the language you use around... Her occupation, sure, will be different. Well, I, I mean, I know the Jason Alexander character is still going to be skeevy. Is he he was then. He is. He's rapey, and he always will be. Well, he wasn't. Ra- okay, don't say that. Well, well, he's icky though. He's just gross. Yeah. I mean, but Julie Roberts is great. I think Richard Gere is great. But again, it's been a long time since I've seen this. So. Now, does Julia Robert Julia Roberts look better than Nicole Kidman? No. Of course not, no. I mean, she looks great. But remember we said Julie Roberts, well, to me, her best looking movie, her best look is My Best Friend's Writing. Oh. I, maybe. I I still say Notting Hill. No. All right, so next week, Sean and I are watching Pretty Woman from the year 1990. Um, This was a big deal back then. It was a big deal for Julie Roberts. It was her first big thing not her first thing it it made this movie made her a star sure fucking did and she was like 21 years old oh really i I did not know that she's young as fuck we talked about how old she is was she born in like 71 or something 69 she was like 21 years old she's so young you would never know it i'm richard gear a little older than her but you know what Pretty sexy. Richard Gere in this movie made me want to be rich. Oh, dang. That's a sad. I mean, not sad, but like, I want to be rich. <laughs> no, because I mean. Because he has his white limo. No, it's because he. She's like, well, why? If you don't like it, why do you. Yes. You know, buy the thing because yeah. they're expensive. Yep. Well, that's why you have those ugly ass shoes in the closet. Okay, next week, Pretty Woman. Um, until then, you can follow us on Tumblr and Instagram at Why Do We Own This DVD. And thanks as always to Brushy One String for our theme song. You can find Brushy at brushyonestring.com. And thanks to Marlene LePage for our artwork. 
I don't know what song you're gonna end on. You got a lot to choose from. Roxanne! I don't know. <laughs> All right, we're gonna stop talking because our voices hurt. We'll see you next week. Bye! Bye! Never knew.